Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rob Belcher. He's the Managing Director at SAS Capital. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You guys have kind of a different take on the capital side of things, but maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Golden, Colorado, okay. just outside of Denver, and uh, loved it. It was amazing, and I think if I hadn't been there, I would have gone to college at CU Boulder and would live there my entire life. Uh, it's an amazing place to be, for sure. Um, but growing up there, I wanted to go explore and see what else was out there. So I did my undergrad about as far away as you can and still stay in the U.S., and I that was Colby College in Maine, Central Maine. Okay. And, um, and loved that as well. Met a lot of amazing people and really liked having new experiences and being in New England. And did the... the traditional small New England liberal arts thing where you end up in either Boston, New York, or D.C. Sure. And I, my first job was um, at a research and consulting firm in Boston. Okay. My whole family in Denver is in the energy industry, and I kind of followed in the footsteps. And I was a commodities analyst for uh, Wood McKenzie, which is an Edinburgh-based research and consulting firm in the energy industry. Okay. So I did some natural gas, power, and oil analysis there for a number of years. Um, and that's, I, doing research and consulting, you know, you work with, in our, in our experience, we worked with a lot of the, the super majors and a lot of transportation companies and worked on these amazing infrastructure projects or, or um, development projects. But as a consultant, you do the work and, and you kind of hand it off. And, and I, I got to the point where I was wanting to take more of the ownership, the risk, gotcha. and figured I, in, in order to do that, um, an MBA was in my future. Um, to sort of transition, learn a little more finance and accounting, and maybe do a, a, a slight pivot on my, my career. Uh, also, a good opportunity to be back out west and ended up at the University of Washington for my MBA in the Foster School of Business. Okay. And, so, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm kind of rolling. No, yeah, no, it's please. good. It's good. I, I was just going to say, what made you kind of decide to kind of go into an MBA? And did you work through that or did you just do it full time? Yeah, um, it really was. So I was an economics major undergrad. Sure. And my, at Wood McKenzie, I was basically an economics analyst. We, we did price forecasting, supply and demand modeling. It was very much legitimate economics. Got you. And it used my skills, and it was great, and I was really good at it. And um, we had a great team, and we did some amazing work. But um, like I said, I think the bridging from there to um, being in a business development, corporate development role at Shell – or Total or something, um, I, I would need a more accounting and finance uh, experience okay. and background. And that's what was missing. I didn't know much about corporate finance. I didn't know, I knew sort of bare bones accounting, but more about accounting and things. So, um, you know, I, I, dabbled, I looked around and, and realized quickly that I just didn't have the skill set to jump into 
working for a major in a in an M and A corporate development, um, you know, business development role, or a hedge fund, or a private equity fund, or something like that. So that was the the realization, and I decided to do full time to give myself some time to research other options and, and look around right. um, as opposed to trying to work through it. Uh, and I stumbled into the venture capital world. I had planned to go work for a hedge fund, private equity fund, or like I said, a, one of the, the strategic, one of the actual participants in the market. And being in Seattle, which is not a big energy hub, I um, sure. got more into the tech world. I, I took a couple classes at, at UW that were really good on venture capital and, and technology and entrepreneurship and did an internship at Voyager Capital, a Seattle-based Series A uh, venture firm. And that sort of took me in a different direction, but it's been great, so I can talk more about that. But that's it, it wasn't the intent, and that's just kind of how life is, but it's been fantastic. Sure. So, so when I was... No, it, go ahead. Yeah, keep going. I'll, I'll pause, but I can I can keep rolling. Um, yeah, keep going. While I was at, at Voyager, the team there founded and funded a company called Lighter Capital, which is a uh, Seattle-based specialty lender that does royalty-based lending. So they'll give you a loan, and, it, and instead of sort of monthly payments like a mortgage, their payments are based on a royalty of your revenue. So your payments okay. fluctuate as your revenue goes up and down. Um, in, in very flush months, you pay a lot. In, in lean months, you don't pay very much. And I fell in love with that because it, that actually did tie back to the energy world. A lot of energy projects are built are, are funded by um, royalty agreements. Right. And so I knew how those work, and I knew um, you know the advantages of that. And so I got really excited about it, and um, actually ended up joining Ladder Capital after I graduated. And that got me into this world of of debt finance for startups for early stage. Um, Software companies. Okay, no, that that makes sense. And you were there for a few years, and then now you're the managing director at SAS Capital. So how did you kind of become part of that team, and and what exactly is SAS Capital? Yeah, that's great. So I was, yeah, I was one of the very early entrepreneurs at um, at Lighter, helped build it up, and we got to raise a Series B. Okay, and that was a good time for me to step out. I'm a pretty, um, I'm a generalist. I would say I like doing a little bit of everything. Um, and now it's a, um, a quite a large company of 40 people, you know, there's full blown departments for marketing and, uh, underwriting and that kind of thing. Um, which is great. You know, that's great. I, it was a, a very good experience for everybody and it was a good time for me to step out. So, uh, it very successful, successfully built that company and I started looking for a smaller opportunity again, where I can kind of wear all the hats, um, that I want to anyway. Sure. And um, had met Todd Gardner, who's the founder and uh, managing director at Fast Capital, at a conference, and reached out to him and just you know just to kind of network and see what is what what Fast Capital is all about. And he happened to be raising funds too, and was looking to add a partner, particularly on the West Coast. And it was just really serendipitous. And we 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 get along really well. We have a similar worldview. And so I I joined for fund two. But he ran fund one himself. And then for fun too, like I said, he wanted to add a partner. So I joined in um, mid-2014. We closed the fund around the turn of the year, January of 15. So we've been deploying the fund for two years. Okay. So for people that don't really understand kind of the the space, what does that even really mean? Like like you say fund one, fund two, you know, uh, what, what does that really mean? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really good. Um, 
So I'll, I'll, I can answer that question by giving some contrast. Sure. Uh, Lighter Capital, Lighter Capital, my previous company, is a company, okay. kind of like um, any company, right? And like I said, we were building a team and doing that kind of thing. And now, Seth Capital is a company as well, but it's also a fund manager. And so what that means is um, our business is to manage other people's money, just like a venture capital firm or a private equity firm. Okay. It's a traditional, and, and what that's, how that's defined is, and we call it a traditional general partner, limited partner relationship. We're the general partner. We manage the, the fund. The limited partners are the institutions and high net worth individuals who have committed money to the fund. And so they, they, they earn the return that we generate by making the loans and then managing them through um, and then, you know, realizing the returns on them. Does that make sense? Or I can, yeah. I can provide more detail. No, that, that makes and sense. And then I guess it's, I think importantly, um, it, for people who aren't familiar with the industry, um, you might wonder how we make money, the company, SAS Capital. Sure. So um, all funds earn a fee for managing the money, and that basically pays salaries and sort of operating expenses. Okay. And then the the bonus component is called the carried interest, and you might hear about it in um, uh, various uh, this political discussions. It's it's part of the tax code, and it's always it's it's commonly something that gets discussed in, in taxes in tax code discussions. Uh, the carried interest component is um, a, a small re- a profit sharing that the management company earns on the return the, they generate in the fund. So most of the returns go to the investors and a small piece goes back to the management company as sort of the bonus for doing a good job oh, above okay. some threshold. There's usually a minimum return, and if you meet that, then you profit share in, in the, the balance, whatever's left over above that. I got you. Okay. So how does it kind of like if I'm I have money to invest, I come to you guys and then kind of walk me through that whole process? Yeah, that's um, so that's on the fundraising side. Sure. Um, Most commonly, I would say money managers or management companies approach um, capital sources rather than the other way around. It's it's rare that that it's not rare, but um, because it's everyone's business, right? To they're looking for investments also, so it's a, it's a good question. But generally speaking, it's a, a manager will go talk to other sources and um, and pitch them. It's, it's literally you you pitch your own business as well, just like a a startup might pitch a VC. The manager company gives their pitch on their thesis. We focus on this. We do this. We we're a clean tech venture capital firm. You know, we're an energy private equity firm. Whatever their thesis is, and they go find pools of capital to invest in their fund. Gotcha. Based on what their thesis, what their investment theses are, what those capital pools investment thesis is. Okay, and so if somebody wants to get funding from you guys, you guys kind of have a bit of a different kind of angle at it. Like, do you want to explain how how does somebody kind of approach you guys, and what do you guys look for, and kind of how do you tr- traditionally do kind of investing? Yeah, that's great. Um, we're a lender. So SAS Capital, it's a great, great name, very descriptive. It's sure. Exact, it's, not, it's kind of boring, but it, it's exactly <laughs> what we do. We, we, we provide capital to SAS companies. Okay. Subscription, um, subscription revenue, software as a service company. SAS stands for software as a service. Right. So think of things like Spotify or Netflix, things you subscribe to and pay regularly. Sure. Um, and we, so we lend money to those companies. Uh, specifically, we lend money to uh, business-to-business uh, subscription software companies. So Netflix and Spotify are a good example of what it is, but we wouldn't lend money to them because they're B two C. We focus on B two B. Okay. But that, that's the, that's the business model. Sure. Um, and we lend between two million and ten million dollars 
to those companies that have three million in revenue and up. Okay. So we're not very early. You know, it's, companies are established. They and I'll, I'll explain more of sort of our thesis, which is companies are established. Maybe they've raised some angel funding or even a Series A. They've built the product and they've started selling it, and they have good sales traction. And now they want to pour some fuel on the fire sure. and really grow. Um, doing a Series B or raising equity at that point is a really expensive way to just do sales and marketing. And so our thesis is, you know, you've de-risked a lot of the company by building a product and having customers. Right. You should have access to cheaper capital to execute at this point. And okay. we provide that via via our lines of credit, our, our debt. Okay. And so we're, we're usually used in lieu of a Series B or an equity round as a way, as an alternative, non-dilutive, non-controlling way for a company to execute and grow. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious then, like, obviously probably most people have heard of a line of credit. Is it, does it work the same as kind of a personal line of credit or is it different? It's How? a really good, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think people's um, expectation or uh, interpretation of what a line of credit is varies quite a bit. So it's, it's a really good question. The reason we structured as a line of credit is we're saying, hey, we'll give you $4 million to go grow. Your your company is creditworthy enough to deserve that. It's available to you. But it's silly for you to you know, basically borrow it all today and pay interest on it all today for the next 18 months while $3 million of it sits in your bank account and you, and you slowly spend it down. Uh, so the, the line of credit structure allows them. It's kind of – most people treat it as a committed round but they just draw it down over time gradually as they need it and only pay interest on what they, what they borrow over time as well. So it's a, it's a more interest expense efficient way to do it. So not only is it better than equity, right? It's no dilution and it's cheaper, sure. but also it's better than a term loan because you're not over borrowing up front. Okay, so just so I'm clear, like if I go to the bank and get a million dollar line of credit, I'm obviously like, they don't break it up into, I don't know, $100,000 chunks, right? where you guys could potentially do that or a half mil or a quarter mil, something like that? Yeah. Um, I think the important part, the important differentiation between a line of credit from a bank and us is most people use a bank line of credit to smooth cash flows. Okay. And so in, in lean periods, they'll draw on it and they'll use that money. Right. And then when they get big customer payments, they'll, they'll pay it down to zero or very low. Right. Got you. <laughs> um, our borrowers might do some of that with the money, but more importantly, they're gradually increasing their borrowings because they're spending into the round. Sure. And usually towards some event. So they might sell the business, they might raise an equity round, that kind of thing. It's designed to get paid down over time too if they want to go that route. Right. But it's not designed to go up and down, up and down, up and down like a, a cash flow smoothing line. Got you. Okay. So how does that work then? Like you give me a, a bunch and then if I need more, I just – like. I get, sorry, let me back up. So I we agree on like a max amount that you're willing to kind of lend me on a, on a line of credit. And then we decide kind of what the initial amount is. And then I just like reach out to you, say, okay, I, I need a bit more now, or I always have access to more. Like, how does that kind of work? Another great question on the structure. Um, there are a couple moving pieces, so that's great. Um, so I would say, I would be really clear here, we call ours an MRR-based line of credit, okay. and that stands for monthly recurring revenue. And monthly recurring revenue is the, the gap uh, accrued revenue that SaaS companies generate. It's the way SaaS companies' revenue is, is 
um, accounted for, and we base our our lending off of that. Okay. Um, just real quickly and importantly, that's different than royalty-based re- uh, lending or re- revenue-based lending, which is what Lighter Capital does, my previous company. Right. Um, so just to be clear, so the, the royalty thing is a, is based, the repayment is based on revenue. Ours is the amount that you can borrow is based on your revenue. So let me talk more about that and answer your question. But I just sure. wanted to no, kind of separate good. those two things because sometimes there's confusion out there. Sure. Um, so you and I decide on the size of the facility, and okay. it, that doesn't matter. It could be two, three, four, five million bucks. Okay. But underneath that, we on our side, SAS Capital, we do our analysis on the business, and we determine a multiple of your monthly recurring revenue that we're comfortable lending you okay. at any one time. And ours is typically three to seven times monthly recurring revenue. Okay. So a, a 6x multiple is, is nice, easy math, because it's half your annual. Six times monthly you know, is half your annual. So say you're a $5 million company. Sure. You could borrow from us $2.5 million, half your annual, right now. Okay. But it's tied, it's tied to that MRR. So every month, as you add monthly recurring revenue, as you grow, the amount you can borrow under the line increases. So say we did a $4 million line, you'd have $2.5 million available under the line. So you can draw up to $2.5 million, but no more. We wouldn't give you any more than $2.5 million. Right. But every month, as you add revenue, you can now draw $2.6 million, $2.7, ah, okay. $2.8, $2.9. Got you. Got and so you. it keeps growing formulaically. And those lines are committed for two years. So you have a two-year draw window where you can draw down. So most people draw five hundred k a million sure. at closing. And then, like you said, you know, like a month later, they call us and say, we've made a hire or we want to do some more marketing. We'd like to draw two hundred grand. And so they, they do that. And we do that all the time. Okay. Um, some borrowers, you know, do two big draws over the two years and that's it. Some draw monthly. Okay. It depends on their own strategy and how they like to work. Got you. So do you guys ever potentially convert to equity at some point or you're not in that at all? That's not, no. So we okay. don't do any of that. Okay. Um, the, the, I guess I can answer a question you haven't asked yet, but I think sure. it's relevant here is kind of how it terminates. Yeah. I was ju- that was going to be my next question, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, we don't convert into equity. That's not how it terminates. Okay. Uh, but it uh, after the two years is up, so t- I'd say it can terminate, or it can, three things can happen after the two-year draw period is up. One is we can renew for a third year. So say it's going great. You really like it. You want to add to it. Maybe do now a $6 million facility. Add another million bucks to it. Great. No problem. We can do a third year. Um, you can do something to pay us off all at once, like uh, raise a really big round and pay us off as part of that or sell the business and pay us off as part of that. Um, importantly too, I mean, you can raise a round or sell the business and we can stay in depending on how the, the deal is structured too. But um, that's, that's one way we can get paid off. And then lastly, it's designed to just turn over into a term loan at that point. Oh, so whatever okay. you borrowed just starts to amortize down just like a mortgage over three years. So it's designed to smoothly allow you to, to pay it down. It's not a bullet. You know, you don't have to owe it all at once or anything like that. It just it converts over to a term loan and you pay it down over three years. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious then, is there specific verticals that you guys prefer to lend money in or it doesn't really matter? Or, or where do you guys kind of play in that space? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I might broaden it up to sort of criteria or, or what we look for sure, uh, and kind of who, who we talk to. Yeah, so 
we are very niche in the fact that we lend only to SaaS companies. Okay. Therefore, we're geographically totally wide open, um, at least as far as our lawyers and our accountants have allowed us to go so far, right. which is um, U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Okay. So we've got four portfolio companies in the U.K. We just closed our first one in Canada, and everybody else is in the U.S. Nice. Uh, so geographically open, yeah. Um, as I said, companies with $3 million in revenue and up. But vertically, pretty agnostic. We've got healthcare IT, ed tech, you know, your, your typical sort of business tools, sales enablement, marketing, automation tools, that kind of thing. Um, so, so pretty wide open, generally speaking, business tools, some e-commerce tools. Um, so that's, you know, I'd, I'd say vertically we're pretty agnostic. Okay. But the, the key criteria for us is just credit worthiness. Again, we're a lender. You know, right. we're not... We're not looking for the next Facebook or the next Google. We're looking for a company that's doing great things. It is exciting. We certainly love the story. You know, sure. we're not totally agnostic to the story, but we want to, you know, we want to hear a good story and, and make sure it's a, an interesting company that's growing. Um, but more importantly, is just will they be able to pay us back? Right. So all of our criteria is more geared around the creditworthiness of the company. So growth, um, customer and revenue retention. You know, make sure customers aren't leaving in droves. Right. And, um, you know, good margins, those are things we look for. And sure. burn rate, you know, how much they're burning and yeah. are they going to run out of cash anytime soon or, or do they have a decent runway? So it's more, it's more geared around, you know, creditworthiness. Sure. Okay. Because, like, I, I guess, like, my next question would be around, like, obviously you're not looking for, like, a board seat then. I'm assuming you guys aren't really doing any mentoring or are you guys kind of as well? Like, cause, cause sometimes people get an investor because, you know, they're looking for somebody to mentor them as well. Maybe make some connections, open some doors for them. Do you, do you guys do any of that or you're just fully kind of focused on just providing capital? Yeah. Another great question. It's, um, on the, the, so there's actually lender liability laws, and so we don't take board seats for okay. those reasons. We, okay. we don't want to be liable. We can't be liable. Um, so, no, we're pretty hands-off. And that's actually one of the values of our structure, right, is you've been doing this forever. It's your company. You want to maintain control. That's fine with us. You know, sure. that's, that's great. We have covenants, certainly. Like, you need to you know, kind of follow the loan rules. But aside from that, you can do it. You can pay yourself whatever you want or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so... Uh, control is, is based on the, the loan docs, but not at the corporate level. On the mentorship side, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, um, companies definitely, um, you know, I think that's what venture capitalists at least advertise as their greatest value is that sort of value add, the network, the, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I think some of that, I think there's a spectrum of value there. Yeah, Everyone yeah. advertises it. I think there's certainly a spectrum there. That's, the, that's why, why people... Um, historically have raised venture. We, um, similarly, um, we, we, to sort of our, our strategy of being kind of in between a bank and a VC, we're sort of a between a bank and a VC on uh, that front as well. We, so um, I'm just trying to figure out where to start. We, we, we do some work with our portfolio companies and, okay. and help them, especially on their reporting and their metrics and things like that, because that's also important to us. Sure. Um, we were pretty hands off on strategy, you know, like what markets to target, that kind of thing, but happy to chat about it or introduce to folks that we know. Uh, but importantly, we, we 
the cool thing about our portfolio is because it's so concentrated on just B2B SaaS companies, no one is really competitive with each other in our, in our portfolio, but they're all going through the same issues. They're doing the same kind of, you know, sales, like should I build an outbound sales team? Should I build an inbound sales team? What are you guys doing on marketing? And so we get our CEOs together twice a year, and then we you know, obviously maintain a CEO email list. And so they interact and and share knowledge and, and that kind of thing with each other, which has been really, really valuable, really interesting. Sure. No, no, that makes some sense. And you guys are in some big kind of cities kind of on both coasts where, like, obviously, there's pretty big startup hubs, right? And, and there's companies getting, you know, funding kind of in both, uh, obviously, like you being in kind of in the Seattle area and New York and stuff like those are big kind of company hubs, right? I'm not saying other places on in the North America aren't, but like you guys are in some of the big hubs in kind of North America. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's right. We, we try and be involved in our communities for sure. Um, you know, through my work at Voyager when I was, was there, you know, I've got a good network uh, and, and try and maintain that. And, and we do some panels and, and mentorship and stuff at some of the incubators and things uh, for sure. And then, yeah, we do, we actually do our CEO events on each coast. You're oh, exactly right. Cool. We do one, one in San Francisco and the other one in New York, um, just because of travel schedules and where our portfolio companies are based, you know, it's, it's easier or harder to get to one of the other. So we try and mix it up a little bit. Sure. So walk me through the process. Like I meet all your kind of base criteria. I apply to get a line of credit from you guys. Kind of, and I, I know it's probably different per company, but what's on average the range it takes from kind of me submitting the documentation to you guys, and what do I need to submit to how before you know I can actually start drawing from that line of credit? Is it like weeks? Is it months? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to if you were to do a venture round. We certainly focus on a um, certain other things, uh, again, mostly around, you know, cash collection, uh, stability of your application, things where we could lose money as a lender. Okay. Excuse me. And then, um, but uh, it, it may be less on sort of the, the massive scalability of the tech or, you know, things that venture capitalists might want to dive into or that, you know, um, they, they usually typically do really big deep dives on team. We do too, but not to the same extent. Um, but so our, our diligence is similar though. That's, that's the point. And it's, you know, we look at financial statements. We look at the, um, the accounting policies. We look at all the organizational documents and things like that. So we usually get to a term sheet in 10 days or so from our first conversation. Oh, wow. And that's with some, some material, you know, some financial statements and a deck and that kind of thing and some conversations. Uh, and then from there, it is illegal and that just takes time. Yeah. And we do meet everybody and that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, we close in about three to six weeks after a term sheet. So it is, it's about two months. Pretty start quick to finish. Yeah. Quick. I, we, we try and st- streamline it as much as we can for sure. So that is a goal. And no one, once you sign a term sheet, no, everybody wants money and we want to be done too. We want to give you the money. We don't want to sit around for too long. So we try and move through legal pretty quick. Sure. No, that makes some sense. So, I'm curious then, do you guys, is there like a certain amount of companies a year that you typically kind of give lines of credit to, or does it really kind of fluctuate? We are, again, um, as a lender, 
we're happy to do as many lines of credit as we can. Okay. You know, we're not looking to make our three or four bets a year like a venture firm. Right. Um, and similarly, I guess, you know, a, a venture firm will typically make one bet on a given, you know, you asked about vertical before. Yeah. You know, they'll make their one bet on virtual reality or right. you know, car automation or something. We're not like that. We don't want to have any direct competitors, but, you know, it, it's we're lending money and we don't, we're not on the board. We don't see, sure. you know, strategic plans and things. So, um, we can have companies that are a little closer than a VC might do. So anyway, point is as many as we can do. And sure. we we're on about one a month or, you know, 10 a year. Wow. Uh, That's a lot. Kind of pace. Yeah. Yeah. We have, good, we've though. done um, 40 across the, the two funds. We've done 40. We've, we've lent money to 40 companies. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. So you've mentioned a few times about like two funds, like why, like, why are they broken up and like how does how do you decide which fund to pull money from yeah it's a good question they are uh, we don't decide uh it, we, they are broken up by time so you raise you do you go do fundraising you raise a fund and it's a set amount of money okay. and then you spend the next couple of years deploying it and when you run out of that you go raise another fund uh, so okay. um, fund one was raised in 2011 and 12 and again i had nothing to do with it it it's it was complete and closed before i joined okay. they had deployed all that capital and and were and they needed more so we go raise you know fund 2 and we're we're actually getting close to the ramping up for fund 3 in fact as well because we're we're getting fairly close to um deploying all the capital in fund 1 i see so, so it's just a matter of yeah would you go back to people that put money in fund 1 and fund 2 for fund 3 is that something you'd commonly do yeah, that, um, I guess generally speaking, it totally depends on the manager. You know, okay. so so aside from SaaS Capital, just looking at the broader VC, private equity, hedge funds community, yeah. it totally depends on what people's strategy is. Um, maybe their first fund was quite small, they did really well, and now they want to raise a huge fund, so they need to go to larger investors, people with more money. Um, so it totally depends. We've been lucky. We've got a really solid limited partner base that's, Mostly followed us from fund one to fund two, almost all, in fact, um, and we'll and we'll probably continue with fund three as well. So it, it you know it depends. Okay. Um, the other thing I'm I'm curious about is, say I'm an I start a company and I raise a bunch of I don't know like seed money or angel money or venture money or like I've raised a bunch of money and maybe I only own fifty percent of my company and the other fifty percent or whatever is owned by. A, a few kind of investors or outside kind of stuff. Do you guys still invest and give kind of a line of credit to a company where they have kind of other investors as well, if they meet your criteria? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, assuming they get board approval to do the line of credit, there's yeah. no issue there. The one, the one thing, and it's not a, it's not an issue at all. It just needs to be documented correctly is if they have founder loans. So if it came oh, in, okay. if that investment came in as equity, that's fine. It's equity is equity, it's separate than debt. Uh, but in the capital stack, you know, their debt is debt. So if it's a convertible note, or if it's a straight sort of investor loan, or even a founder loan, mm -hmm. that's debt, we're debt, and we're first position debt, we're senior secured debt, we come in as, as an all assets lean on the company. First position, if something goes wrong, we're the first to get back. So those those loans need to be subordinated to us, uh, and that can take any kind of shape and size depending on 
how they're structured and what they're looking for. But um, that's just something I'd call out is even though it may, everyone might be treating it as equity, if it's technically debt, it's technically debt and it has to be taken care of, especially convertible debt. I think that's the one that people always get surprised by. Okay. And again, not a big deal. It's just a document between us and the, the, the other lenders. Sure. That makes sense. So when you guys are doing your kind of vetting process, do you meet with the founder and the team in person? Because you guys have companies kind of spread out globally. So do you guys meet in person within that first kind of couple of months? Not, uh, we do before we close, but not before a term sheet necessarily. So after we sign a term sheet as part of our diligence, we do a site visit and we do meet everybody. Then. Okay. Just because you guys yep. would obviously have to fly over to the UK. You mentioned you have some deals over there or up yeah. to Canada or... Yeah, that's right. Um, Todd actually just got back from some diligence in the UK, and he he was he was he's been talking about all week how productive he was on those thirty six hours that he had on Monday when he flew back. <laughs> so he got to work for thirty hours or something. Sure. No, um, no, we go. Yeah, we go visit everybody, um, and usually it's not too bad. The UK is a little bit of a a slog, but not too bad. Sure. No, that that makes some sense. So I'm I'm kind of curious, like. You guys are just focusing on kind of providing these line of credits. Are you guys looking at moving into other ways of giving capital to companies or are you just kind of going to stick in this kind of space? It's a great question. Um, I think uh, I can answer that by saying that Todd founded this company after being a venture capitalist for 10 oh, years. Okay. Okay. So he, he did that for 10 years and actually was trying desperately to find this solution for his companies. They did an A round. They were growing. He didn't want to have to go do a B round uh, just to finance growth. Um, so we're, we are both, and, you know, through my background of, of um, helping grow lighter uh, for several years sure. and seeing how, how powerful it can be, you know, we're, we both really like what we're doing. We, we see the value of it. It's been really successful for our 40 portfolio companies. And, um, you know, I, on our website, more, you know, the number of hundreds of millions of dollars of equity value that um, we've helped create and save for entrepreneurs is real. It's, it's real and it's, it's great. So we like it. Um, we are always iterating and evolving ourselves. Sure. I, we don't have any immediate plans to do anything else, but we're happy to be flexible and creative if somebody needs something. We do have that, that advantage over like a bank. You know, we, right. can, we, can, we do have some flexibility in our our mandate and what we can do but um for, for now it's there's we're enjoying what we're doing sure no i'm i'm always just kind of curious right because i think like you, you just kind of mentioned at, at least in my experience i haven't had well you're kind of the first uh company and person kind of doing this kind of lending to companies, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm assuming that you've gotten asked this before, whether it's from a company that's looking to get kind of uh, a line of credit from you guys, and then probably from the investor side saying, you know, like, I want to put X amount of dollars into this fund and you guys can lend this as a line of credit, but I'm a little bit, I want to also risk a certain portion of this. Do you guys do VC funding? I don't know, pick a category, right? So yeah. it, it, it makes yeah. some sense. Yeah, portfolio companies do every once in a while ask, or not, or, you know, prospect companies, I guess, before sure. we get too far with them. They ask, you know, would you ever follow up this with an equity round, or do you convert into equity? Um, those same questions we've talked about today, too. So, um, and, and like I said, as of now, no. Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, I'm, I'm curious, is there anything else that you guys are kind of, or any industries that you guys are hoping to maybe 
invest uh, in in kind of 2017 and kind of beyond? It, just for anybody out there listening, is there kind of any verticals that you guys are kind of looking for, or it doesn't really matter just because of the line of credit kind of thing? Yeah, it's, um, there's a couple of interesting points there. I think just through our backgrounds, we, we talk about this every once in a while internally. Um, Todd has a little bit of a penchant for healthcare IT okay, sure. and the healthcare market. And I'm more, I, I don't understand it and would love to avoid it altogether. Uh, on the flip side, through my background, I love energy and sort of field services stuff and agriculture. Sure. I think there's some interesting things there. Um, and so I'm always keen to talk to those companies, but we're not, we don't actually, you know, aggressively go after a vertical. It's, I get excited and interested when I get to meet one. Um, sure. I would say th- the other thing that's related to your question, but not actually part of it, is just macro. We're 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 keen on the the macro environment right now, and and you know rates are rising. Um, we've been in a bull market for seven and a half years now, uh, which is one of the it's, I think it's the fourth longest of the last sixty years. So you know if, if data were to tell us anything mean reversion um, within the next three or four years, we're probably looking at a recession or at least a cooling off. So those are just things that are on our, on our mind that we're thinking about. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, but Rob, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So maybe let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and SAS capital. Sure. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the time. Um, SAS capital is S A A S hyphen capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L dot com. Uh, that's our website. And you can hit me at R Belcher, Susan Boy, E-L-C-H-E-R, at SAS hyphen capital dot com. And I would be happy to chat anytime. Perfect, Rob. Well, I really appreciate awesome. you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Really enjoyed it. Take care. All Thanks, right. everyone. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.